T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. LeBron James on Saturday night said Kobe Bryant had zero flaws offensively. LeBron had just passed Kobe on the all-time scoring list. LeBron third and now Kobe fourth. Little did LeBron know a day later he would be told after getting off the team plane of Kobe's passing. There's some video of a very distraught and emotional LeBron James. Now, as for the zero flaws offensively, yeah, we all agree with that, but let's not forget, Kobe Bryant was on 12 all-defensive teams most all-time for a guard, so he was not just an offensive weapon. He was the complete player, and as we learned in his later years, the complete man, a devoted father, an Academy Award winner as well. It's a Mamba Monday here on Home and Home, a Radio.com Sports Original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. I'm Dave Briggs. I am home. Ross Tucker on the road this week as we turn the page to Super Bowl week. Later in the program, we will have the folks from Vivid Seats on the show to close the program. This looks like the most expensive Super Bowl ticket of all time. What is the demand and why exactly are the ticket prices so high? But we continue to reflect on the loss of Kobe Bryant, the man, the myth, the legend, the arguably the hardest worker ever in the NBA. The Lakers will return to the court on Wednesday at Staples Center, where number 24 and number 8 are in the rafters. They will play the Los Angeles Clippers, ironically enough. Doc Rivers uh, knew Kobe well, coached against him, was a good friend of Kobe Bryant, and was distraught trying to reflect on the loss of Kobe yesterday. Here's Doc. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, I just don't have a lot to say. I, uh, the news is just devastating to everybody uh, who knew him, known him a long time. And, uh, you know, he, he just, he, mean, he means a lot to me, obviously. Um, you know, he was such a great opponent, you know. Um, it's what you want in sports. Um, he had that, that DNA that, um, that very few athletes can ever have. You know, the, the Tiger Woods and the, the Michael Jordans, you know. Um, it's funny. I, uh, I've, I was getting to know him more since he retired, you know. Um, yeah, this is, this is a tough one. I don't... Uh, I mean, we have to go play. Uh, I mean, the news is just so devastating for for Vanessa and and his and his family, and um, there's just so many people he touched, you know. Um, and you know, it's, it's looking at my young players and, and seeing how emotional uh, they are. Um, they didn't even know him, you know, and uh, it just tells you how far his reach was. So. Um, I mean, this is just shocking news for all of us and 
Sorry, I don't have a lot to say. Uh, I just can't. Uh, I have to go talk to a team uh, before a game and tell them to play again. That's uh, L.A. Clippers coach Doc Rivers, very emotional at the loss of his friend and the NBA legend uh, Kobe Bryant. There were 24-second shot clock violations by all teams that played in the afternoon after learning of the news. There were eight-second backcourt violations. Interesting, the Kobe math that is forever a part of the NBA game, 24-8, and eight, as I mentioned, both in the rafters at the Staples Center in both uniforms, he scored more than 16,000 points. He was great with Shaq winning three NBA titles. He was great after Shaq transforming his role as the guy that had to carry a team. It seemed Ross, every time he had to make a transition, whether it's on or off the court, he made it seamlessly. Yeah, and I, I saw a video, Dave, from Rex Chapman, who's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, in which Kobe Bryant, after he tore his Achilles tendon, he, I think, was pretty sure that's what he had done. But just in case, he shot both foul shots. Because evidently in the NBA, maybe this is the way it's like in high school or college, I don't know. But if you can't shoot the foul shots because of an injury, you can't come back into the game. So the video that I've been watching is Kobe standing there, swishing two foul shots, walking into the locker room with a torn Achilles. But he wanted to shoot the foul shots so he could maybe come back into the game. I mean, that is crazy. I mean, that that is as impressive to me as anything he's done. That mental toughness, mental fortitude, the guy had a torn Achilles and just in case it was the 1.1% chance that it really wasn't, he was going to shoot the foul shot so he could come back into the game. I mean, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. That is just mind-boggling. And then consider Kobe Bryant's final game. He scored 60 points in his final game. You will never see a greater final game for any player, especially having come back from the injuries that he had Kobe Bryant was an absolute warrior. He was asked in 2015 how he wanted to be remembered. And he said, I've always said that I wanted to be remembered as a player that didn't waste a moment, didn't waste a day. Clearly, that's the same way he was as a father in these last couple of years. Never wasted a moment. Said he didn't go to a lot of NBA games because that would have been time he spent away from his kids. The only thing that brought him back two NBA games, was Gigi, who wanted to see some of her favorite players, most namely Trey Young. Trey Young, the great young player for the Atlanta Hawks, that was one of the guys she idolized, and that's that video that you see, Kobe and Gigi watching Trey Young, some of the pictures we've seen from that. We heard from Doc Rivers, but another head coach, of course, spoke. It's arguably the greatest coach in NBA history, Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs, not a man to shed a lot of tears like Doc Rivers, but some heartfelt remembrances of the guy that he saw as a fierce competitor for many, many years on the other side. Here is Pop. Good game, tough loss, who cares? Um, most importantly, uh, appreciate you all letting the locker room be tonight. Uh, 
everybody's pretty emotional about the tragedy uh, with Kobe and uh, all of us know what a great player he was, but he went beyond great playing. He was a competitor uh, that is that goes unmatched, and it's what made him uh, as a player so attractive to everybody, that focus, uh, that competitiveness, that will to win. Uh, and even more importantly than that, uh, we all feel a, a deep sense of loss for what he meant to all of us in so many ways, and so many millions of people loved him for so many different reasons. Greg Popovich, San Antonio Spurs head coach after a loss, not concerned by that loss, called him there the greatest competitor he's seen. He's coached a few. David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, Kawhi Leonard, and still says Kobe Bryant was the most competitive of all of them. I talk about Kobe in his own words because, look, we get to hear from a lot of people on Kobe, but to me it's Kobe's own words that are the best to hear from now. And uh, he was asked... He asked himself, uh, what separated you from other NBA players? And Kobe answered this, curiosity. He said curiosity is what separated him from other players because Kobe said most players that play the game will just play it. Certain things happen, they'll get beat by a guy, and it doesn't matter to them. But Kobe said it wasn't good enough to just watch them make a move. I wanted to watch the tape, slow it down, rewind it, figure out why it worked. What was the timing? What was the angle? What was the defender could he have done to do better stop that move? The curiosity, Kobe Bryant says, that was what to him separated him from any other player. That's incredible. Curiosity in the eyes of Kobe Bryant. Let's talk to a good friend of Kobe, a competitor against him, won an NBA title against those Lakers. Kendrick Perkins, a good friend of ours, NBA champ. Uh, part of Scallon Pals as well here on the radio.com app. Perk, always great to have you, my friend. I know this has been a very tough loss for you. I was struck by what you tweeted, and it's that your new motto is, what would Kobe do? Why? Because, man, if you, if you, just, if you just know, if you knew Kobe personally, you watched him, he is the true definition of mental toughness. Uh, I, I haven't seen a guy, an athlete, sh should I say, that was more mentally tough than Kobe Bryant. And, you know, yesterday was very hard for me. It was very hard for the basketball world. My prayers out to Kobe, his family, to all the ones who, to all the ones who lost loved ones in that tragic accident. But, you know, Kobe was the king of getting through adversity. Uh, when things got tough, he didn't fold. He found a way to get through it. I mean, you know, it's just a, a interesting story for us, his mental toughness that comes to mind. You know, um, you know, man, Kobe was – I don't know any basketball player that could have did what Kobe did throughout his career, especially through the trying time when he was dealing with, you know, uh, that, that, that his legal case for us with the, uh, with the rape case and – you know, uh, thank God that it wasn't true. But at that time, just think about it. His life was on the line. Uh, Kobe Bryant, he didn't know if he was going to be, if he was going to lose it all or not. But this guy was showing up to court, going to court through a trying time for months at a time, and, and then taking a private jet and getting back to 
L.A. or wherever the team was to make it to the game and, and giving people 40 pieces. Do you know how mentally tough you have to be to do those, to do that type of thing in that type of situation? Um, and yesterday I was trying to find peace. I couldn't find peace. Uh, although me and Kobe and I had battles on the court when I was with the Celtics, when I was with Oklahoma City. But after I left Oklahoma City and went to New Orleans, all of a sudden Kobe and our relationship started getting closer. Um, we exchanged phone numbers. We started keeping in contact. I started listening. To, I started calling him for information, you know, about life after basketball, businessmen, and stuff like that. And recently, you know, I have an eight-year-old son that's pretty good in basketball. And Kobe and I had talked about, you know, him actually joining the Mamba facility, going to the Mamba camp in the summertime. And, you know, we had just had it, – it, it's just it's just unreal, man. And, and that's going to be my motto from here on out, you know, especially when things get tough for me personally and a little adversity hit. I'm going to ask myself, hey, man, what will Kobe do? And I think that could help a lot of people just develop that mental toughness. And, you know, people talk about his basketball legacy, but I was more impressed with Kobe Bryant as the man and as the father that he had become, you know, when after playing basketball. Perk, what do the guys in the, in the, in the league think of him? I, I mean, I, I could see him getting under people's skin. He's so competitive. I, I don't know. For some reason, I picture guys – not liking him and wanting to wanting to take it to him, wanting to body him up, wanting to shove it in his face. But you tell me if I'm wrong. No, you you're not wrong. To be honest with you, man, he was a he was a guy that, as an opponent, you hated Kobe, and that's what it was supposed to be. Because you know, I know a lot of guys hated me as an opponent. You 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 know it's. Once you get between those lines, <laughs> once you get between those lines, hey, man, it's, it's all business, you know. And Kobe was the true definition of that, man. I can give you one story. When I remember we was in the playoffs playing against Oklahoma City, and it was running late in the shot clock, and I switched out on them, and I clapped my hands together on defensively, and I said, let me see it. And he hit me with a crossover behind the back, step back, and I kind of stumbled, and he – hit the three-point shot, and we ran down the court, and he looked at me and said, hey, Perk, don't make me tear that other ACL. And I couldn't do nothing but laugh, man, because, <laughs> you know, that was something that I would tell somebody. But you hated Kobe as an opponent. You hated him. Man. you like, oh, man, I just don't want to. But the thing is, you had to respect him. That's the thing. Like, you hated him, but you had to respect him. I remember going through those Boston days when, you know, we met up in the finals and we had came to the conclusion in the locker room, we was like, you know what, we're going to guard Kobe, but we can't stop him. So what we're going to do is we're going to make sure we shut out everybody else and we're just going to let Kobe get his because the only person that was stopping Kobe was Kobe. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Between the lines as an opponent, you did not like Kobe. You hated him, but you respected him. You respected him. But outside of basketball, hey, man, great great guy. When I tell you a real one and down to earth as could be, he was all of that. 
Yeah, you gotta love a guy that can just slay you and then smile and light up the room immediately afterwards. Talking to Kendrick Perkins, who won an NBA title, played against Kobe many, many years and knew him well off the court. If you could share a story about that legendary work ethic he had. Uh, the hardest working NBA player I ever saw was Ray Allen, who you played with. I remember showing up three hours before a game and Ray would be shooting shot after shot after shot after shot. How would you describe that work ethic of Kobe Bryant? Well, Kobe Bryant to me set the ball. He set the standard for, for, for guys like myself, you know, uh, Ray was a lot older than Ray was is a little older than me as though so as Kobe. They're both like six years older than me, six or seven years older than I than I am. But growing up, we idolized Kobe. I think Kobe, well, I know Kobe was the guy who set the bar for five in the morning workouts. And you know, what that what that tells young kids today, that what that tell tell grown men today, just think about it. He set that standard, and all of a sudden, you have LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Garnett, all these guys who started doing 5 a.m. workouts. But what it teach you is it teach you discipline. So not only did Kobe, to me, have the hardest work habits, work ethic, he taught you how to be disciplined because for the simple fact, in order to go to wake up at 5 in the morning and get work in before you have to be to practice or before you go and go work out with the team, that means you had to go to bed the night of. Uh, that means it wasn't no partying. It wasn't no fun activities going on that you had to be disciplined because you had to be up at 5 in the morning. And I think, you know, he just set the bar and, and he set it real high and, and guys following his footsteps. Everybody used to want to work out with Kobe. Just think about this, right? Um, Giannis, uh, you know, all the young players that's coming up today, uh, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, all these guys in the offseason went to go train with Kobe. Like, that speaks volume in itself. Like, and just think, the Mamba facility, how many pros he had in there, from Jordan Clarkson to all the young upcoming guys that's in today's league was at the Mamba facility because they wanted to get better, and they knew – that, hey, if I go and work out and learn from Kobe Bryant, my game is going to elevate. And if you look at all those guys from Giannis, from being the MVP, um, you can tell, hey, you go work out with Kobe, he said the ball, you're going to be great. Perkett, I want to ask you about him leaving school early to go right to the NBA. I, I was a junior in high school. He was a year ahead of me, and I remember thinking it was crazy. I was like, wait, what? He's going to the NBA? And I know Garnett did it the year before, uh, but it just felt like Kobe was more noteworthy. He was 17 when he did. He wore the sunglasses. Is that When did you first start thinking about going right to the NBA and do you remember when Kobe did that? And I'm sure there were guys in between, certainly. But do you remember when Kobe did that? And did that have any impact on your decision to go right to the NBA? Oh, absolutely. But you have to be ready for it. And you could tell, like, you brought up the sunglasses. You have to be – he was ready for this moment. Like, some guys, are, uh, uh, you could tell from in high school that they're ready for superstar status. And Kobe was one of those guys. And I'm going to tell you something. I was a guy that went out of high school. I was a big man. 
Um, to be a guard, to be a guard and to come out of high school, it takes it to a whole nother level. You know, um, Jermaine O'Neal, uh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Garnett, uh, myself, it's, I mean, it's a lot of guys that were bigs that came out. But when you look at Rashard Lewis, you know, 6'10 type guys. But when you look at guys like uh, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Tracy McGrady, Steven Jackson, those guys that went out of high school, uh, Sebastian Telfair, that were guards, you have to be you have to be on a whole nother level skill set wise to do that because that's hard. Because it's not like you have a height and it's not like you just have a size. So you have to really, really give those guys a lot of credit for their work at work ethic. And you could tell from when even when Kobe was in high school at Lord Mary, he was just a killer, man. He had it in him. Like he was a winner. You could tell, and you was looking at this guy like no way he could be 17. Not carrying him, not carrying himself the way he did on and off the court. Like we used to idolize Kobe Bryant. I remember in middle school, he was like that dude, man. Even when he from the time you remember him and Brandy, the R and B singer going to prom, like Kobe was that dude <laughs> on and off the court. Like you wanted to be like uh the Mamba, man. Just his whole swag, his whole, you know, everything about him, man, on and off the court, man. I'm telling you, everybody wanted to be like Jelly Bean. I'll tell you what, uh, talking to Kendrick Perkins, former NBA champ, competitor against Kobe and knew him well off the court as well. Uh, I know you're close with your son who plays some hoops. We've seen uh, you've shown some great video, but my son is 12 and they really grew up in the LeBron era. And I was telling Ross earlier that these this entire generation, I coach basketball as well. When they make a big shot every time, Perk, it is Kobe. They never say King James. They don't try to emulate LeBron. I don't know why, per se, because they barely saw Kobe Bryant play, but it is Kobe to them. That is the money shot. When they hold the hand up in the air, it's Kobe. It's amazing to me the influence he's had even on that next generation. Hey. Uh, the the Lakers will play against the Clippers uh, on Wednesday at Staples. The Mavericks, by the way, have retired number 24. Mark Cuban said no Maverick will wear number 24 again. How should the NBA honor Kobe Bryant this season? Well, in my opinion, I think a lot of teams should should follow in the in the footsteps of Mark Cuban. I think that was that, I, I got to give him I got to applaud Mark Cuban for that man because. I think a lot of teams should consider doing that. That's that's the effect that Kobe had on every organization, on everyone in the NBA as a competitor. This guy don't didn't even play for certain teams, but he had that effect on guys just on organizations just because of his competitiveness. And you just look like look at Kobe Bryant farewell tour. It was like it was the best thing in sports history. Like I mean, like literally, like. He went from being the most hated guy to being like when he walked in the arena, he was getting cheered and selling out like that tour was unbelievable. And I've been seeing a lot of players, you know, tweet out that, hey, it's time to change the logo, the NBA logo, and we need to change it to Kobe Bryant. And guess what? I'm right there with him. I think we need to change it. I think, in my opinion, it, this this All-Star Weekend that's coming up need to be named Kobe Bryant's All-Star Weekend. 
Like we have to make sure this this uh, Kobe legacy lives on, and we got to because I, I like he was gone too soon. And the most the most disappointing thing that 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 hurts the thing that hurts me the most is that Kobe had so much more that he was going to accomplish in life that I'm mad that I'm not even getting a chance to see that because you just never know with Kobe. He stay quiet. He stay silent. Then all of a sudden, he was Mamba for a reason. He just strike. And Kobe, all of a sudden, he strike. Oh, man, I didn't know Kobe was part owner of body armor. And then all of a sudden, he strike with something else, man. And I just, I was just, it was just, you know, it was, it was curious. Like, you was curious to know what else he was going to do off the court as a retired uh, husband and father, man. And it was just, it's just sad. It's a sad day. It was a sad day. It's a sad moment right now. It is indeed. You get the feeling Kobe Bryant could have accomplished anything he set his mind to with that Mamba mentality, with his intelligence, spoke multiple languages, could have accomplished anything he set his mind to, probably could have won a Nobel Peace Prize. Who the hell knows? Could have done anything in politics, anything on or off the court. He will be missed. Kendrick Perkins, we really appreciate your reflections today. Perk, always great to have you on the show, my friend. Hey, I really appreciate it, man. And, and, you know, I was just up last night to, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep, and I was just thinking. I was like, man, nah, this couldn't have happened to Kobe because, you know, the way I feel about Kobe, I'm like, nah, Kobe would have found a way to get out of that helicopter with, with Gigi. Kobe would have climbed on top. Like, it was just – it's just still – not real to me, but I appreciate y'all having me, fellas, man. And y'all have a good day today, all right? You're the man, Perk. We uh, we are sorry for your loss, my friend, but thank you. All right, thank you. Ross, that was some uh, really pointed words, some emotional stuff from Perk. And, you know, I we're going to turn to the Super Bowl here in a couple of minutes and talk with the folks from Vivid Seats about arguably the hottest ticket in all of sports. And, and that's just a reflection of where we are right now, Ross. This is the biggest sporting event on the planet all year long, and it is an afterthought on this Mamba Monday. Interesting how, in fact, the league may or may not honor Kobe Bryant, and Perk had some some cool thoughts on that. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting, Dave, because I'm gonna I'm gonna ask our guy, our guest from Vivid Seats about Kobe's last game because if I remember, the uh, the ticket prices got real high for Kobe's last game and really his entire last season. To Perk's point yeah. about you know the farewell tour, you know nobody ever wants to be this guy, Dave, uh, but I I do want to ask something. Are we going yep. a little bit too far uh, with, you know, changing the logo to Kobe, uh, everybody retiring that jersey number across the league? Like, are we going too far with that stuff? Like, they haven't done that for Michael Jordan or other people. I realized Kobe Bryant passed away tragically, but does that necessitate him – having that jersey number retired league-wide or them changing the logo to him. Mm. And I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just asking. I think it's a fair question to ask. Are we are, are we a little bit too caught up in the moment right now? Yes. There's a reason why for the Hall of Fame, they wait five years in the Pro Football Hall of Fame 
before they vote on someone because they want to give it some time. I feel like it's yeah. a little new, a little raw now. And I, I think maybe we should just pump the brakes a little bit. And by the way, I don't care. If you want to make him the logo, go for it. You want to retire? I mean, it doesn't make a difference in my life. I, I just think it's fair to at least discuss that. Oh, well, I, look, I totally appreciate uh, what Kendrick Perkins is saying. He is someone close to him, played against him, knows him well. That is absolutely, though, just kind of an overreaction in the moment. No question about it. Um, if a team wants to retire the number 24, I love what Mark Cuban did. Should it be required uh, to be retired league-wide? I don't think so. And let's just be frank, to your point about stepping away from it for a couple of days, couple of years— is he top four in NBA history? Probably not. Is he top five or six? Probably. It'd be disrespectful to Michael Jordan and to LeBron James to change the logo to Kobe Bryant in my estimation. Michael Jordan still, to me, the greatest player I will have ever seen play the game. So I think you bring up a very good point. That is a little bit of an overreaction and in the instant aftermath of losing a legend. But you're going to see a handful of teams retire that jersey number, and that's probably uh, a good move. League-wide, probably a step too far. Well, and remember, Dave, you got, you got to remember precedent, right? Because then it's like, okay, well, what happens if something tragic happens to another player? What happens if another good player uh, dies too young? There have been other NBA guys that have died before their time, so... I just think like a lot of these things, um, you know, Mark Cuban can do what he wants, and that's very fitting. I thought the shot clock thing with the Spurs game was amazing, absolutely amazing. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. And the other thing is, and we can talk about this later, but I, I tweeted yesterday, Dave, that, you know, Things like this make you realize that what some of the things in life that you think are important really aren't that important. You know, like you think about what you're going to do this night or your job or whatever. It's really not as important as you think it is. And yet we say that. And by the end of this week, don't you feel like we'll all be back to normal? You know what I mean? Like I know Wednesday the Lakers play the Clippers. Maybe it's a little bit different, but it just seems to me like we all – have these poignant words on Twitter on yesterday and today. And I've gotten like 4,000 retweets and 10,000 likes of saying, you know, what you think is important isn't really. I feel like by the end of the week, it's like the Kobe stuff will be behind us. The focus will be the Super Bowl. And all of the platitudes that were uttered on Sunday and Monday, and yes, this is this, this, I feel like it's like, it's almost like it never even happened. I would agree that this probably doesn't change society as we know it, but look, all we can ask is each and every one of us, just try to take one thing from the life or the legacy of Kobe Bryant, whether it's his work ethic as a player, his killer instinct as a scorer, as a guy who wanted to put the team on his shoulders, or to me, again, and I've said this, the lesson I'm going to take from Kobe Bryant is just to try to wrap my kids up and savor every moment. And the amazing thing is, is he balanced that with the desire to succeed off the court with his films and with his book. So he wanted to professionally be a success and he attacked that with fervor. 
but still embraced every moment and was completely present with his children. Let's hope we can all learn a little bit about that. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Is this the hottest Super Bowl ticket in the history of the game? Let's talk about it with Andrew Gretschko from Vivid Seats. Andrew, good to have you on the program this morning. Uh, it's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. I'm on Vivid Seats this morning, and I'm seeing the cheapest ticket at more than $4,000 per seat. Is this the hottest ticket you've ever seen? Yeah, so thanks for having me, guys. We're definitely seeing just some incredible demand uh, for this year's Super Bowl. I think there's a lot of factors that play into that. Of course, uh, being down in Miami helps as far as the weather, uh, with most people having you know a pretty chilly time here up north. But we are seeing incredible demand, as mentioned. So that get-in price, uh, like you said, which is the least expensive ticket just to get into the stadium above $4,000. When we look at the average cost of a ticket sold, which we use as a pretty good metric to determine demand for an event, that is the highest uh, amount that we have on our record. We go back to 2012 as far as our data. We've been around since 2001, but looking at 2012 and beyond reliably for our data, this is the most in-demand Super Bowl we've seen, uh, dwarfing what we saw in 2018, which was that Pats and Philly Super Bowl. All right, so putting the weather aside here in South Florida, Andrew, how much of it is the teams that are in this? The Niners have a national fan base and obviously a lot of money out there in the Bay Area, and the Chiefs haven't been here in 50 years. Yeah, we can only speculate on those things. You know, all we can look at is, is what is happening on our website. But like you said, I think the Chiefs not having been in the Super Bowl in so long, 50 years, uh, Silicon Valley and all the money in the Bay Area, I think that certainly helps. And then I think as far as location, uh, as mentioned, Miami just being warm weather, fun place to be. Yeah, and Patrick Mahomes having the most electric player in the NFL certainly helps drive the ticket prices. Uh, what usually happens in these last couple of days? I mean, could that ticket price go up? I'm seeing uh, tickets as high as $30,000 per seats down on that 72 club. Where does Where do the ticket prices go in these last couple of days before the game? We see a lot of fluctuation as that demand continues to wax and wane. It really can be unpredictable. So over the next few days, I'm sure we'll see fluctuation uh, on both sides. So folks probably want to stay tuned to our website. Um, but we're, uh, again, just seeing this great, great demand for the game. And as you mentioned, with Pat Mahomes, with that 49ers defense and, and that running game, uh, should be quite the game. So obviously just a, a lot of demand there. Andrew, what's the uh, what's the face value on the tickets this year? The, on, on the get-in tickets? 
so our get-in price is the price that is the uh, most inexpensive price that you can use to get into a game. So that's just above $4,000 right now. We don't set those prices as a marketplace. So this is uh, buyers and sellers can both come together if you think of it kind of like an eBay. Uh, so I don't have that face value for you there, but I know obviously Super Bowl tickets are uh, always a hot commodity. Interesting. All right. So you don't know what the face value is. I'm, I didn't realize that. Can you tell me, like, at what point did the secondary market become legal? Like, at what point was it no longer this considered scalping? Well, the secondary market has been around for a long time, and there are a lot of uh, precautions and measures that we take to make sure that everything we do is legitimate, that everything we do is safe for the ticket buyer. Uh, so, for example, we're part of the National Association of Ticket Brokers. Uh, we're a Better Business Bureau trusted company, and we have 100% buyer guarantee. So everybody that buys from us, knowing that they have that peace of mind that what they pay for, uh, they're going to get. So uh, as far as the secondary market, we've been around since 2001. Uh, so we've been around for coming up on almost 20 years now. Um, secondary market been around for a long time, but uh, very different than scalping. You know, we're a, a legitimate accredited business. So, but uh, okay, I, I don't understand what the difference is. In both instances, someone is selling the price for higher than face value. That I thought that was what the issue was, was just the entire process or concept of selling a ticket for more than face value. So we serve as that marketplace, right? We don't own these tickets. These tickets are brought to us by uh, sellers. That could be someone like you and me. That could be someone who's a professional seller. And they're able to list these tickets for whatever they think they can get and make that sale for. So uh, those prices that you're seeing for the Super Bowl, those prices uh, a little bit higher than your average day-to-day -day event, we'll say. Uh, and that's because they think that the Super Bowl has that demand, that there are these Chiefs fans, 49ers fans, and just people all across the, the country and, quite frankly, all across the world that want to go to this. So... Uh, as far as that difference, I mean, we're, uh, I think, scalping, there's this negative connotation. The secondary market uh, companies like us, companies like StubHub or SeatGeek, even, for example, some of our competitors, uh, we're all accredited businesses, all part of these National Association of Ticket Brokers, all on the Better Business Bureau. Um, we are not somebody who's just standing outside of the venue uh, kind of selling tickets. Talking to Andrew Gretschko from Vivid Seats. Check them out, vividseats.com. Uh, two questions here, a two-parter. If I want a ticket, but I ain't going to pay four grand, don't have that kind of cash, is it best to wait until that last second? That's usually the mentality. And should the league do more? We want you guys to make money. But should the league do more to make this game affordable for some average fans and not just corporations and the wealthy? Yeah, so as far as... Uh the NFL and their relation to that, you know, we're going to leave that up to the NFL when tickets are, are brought to us on this marketplace, you know, that we're just that marketplace for sellers to be able to sell these. So we, we can't dictate those prices. That's something that other folks are, are doing. Uh, could you repeat that first question? Yeah. You know, it was a two parter and it was, is, is the best mentality if you want to try to get a seat, but you don't have four grand to wait till Saturday afternoon, maybe even Sunday morning. Those prices just fluctuate so much. For example, we've seen that get-in price we talked about, that least expensive uh, ticket to get into Hard Rock Stadium. We've seen that actually tick up. So uh, as we get closer to the game, uh, prices really fluctuate. And again, as, as we're not controlling that, it's, it's tough to say. I think it varies for every event. All right, Andrew Gretschko, we will uh, check out the prices and see if they stay above four grand as a buy-in. Check them out, vividseats.com. Andrew, thanks for your time. Appreciate it.
Yeah, thank you guys. Take care and uh, good luck for whoever you're rooting for on Sunday. Indeed. Thank you. Uh, so it, it is amazing. The loss of Kobe Bryant Ross is just loomed over the beginning of Super Bowl week. I'm curious what it will be like for you down there in South Beach surrounding the game. Will the talk do you think around Radio Row still be about Kobe Bryant? And at what point will this turn to the excitement of these two teams meeting in the Super Bowl? Because a lot of the uh, competitors in this game, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tyron Matthew, were on Twitter tweeting about Kobe Bryant yesterday. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Dave. I, I, you know, I, I'm going to go over to, to Radio Row after we're done here. And I kind of anticipate any radio stations I go on as a radio.com NFL insider, I kind of anticipate them asking a question about Kobe, maybe a question or two before they move on to the Super Bowl. And then I think by tomorrow, everybody will just be on to the Super Bowl. I, I think it's like asking a question or two today, then asking some Super Bowl questions. By tomorrow, people will have transitioned because I think that they're probably right or wrong, just won't be that much more to say. You know, I think mm -hmm. people will feel like they said what there was to say about it. Uh, he yeah. was properly yeah. honored. And then it's time to kind of move on from there. I, I do think it, that some of the guys will be asked about it tonight. Tonight is, you know, used to be called media day. Now that it's on Monday night, that first night, it's opening night, they call it. It's on TV. Uh, so they've made media day a primetime event. And I'm sure a lot of the players will be asked about it. Uh, I don't know how much. I don't know what extent. But my guess is it will be a topic of conversation. Uh, and then, like everything else in life, uh, the show must go on. I'd wager someone, if the NFL allows it, I would wager someone, some player will be there wearing a number 24 jersey or perhaps a number 8 because, as we've heard throughout this program and others, this was their Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant was their Michael Jordan. So for Patrick Mahomes, he grew up idolizing Kobe Bryant. For Tyron Matthew, we saw J.J. Watt. We saw uh, uh, Stefan Diggs tweeted yesterday, quote, today I lost my hero. So there's also the question, of course, of, you know, where does this rank? Have we experienced anything like this? I think of um, Roy Halladay, the late Phillies pitcher, Different for me, I grew up with Roy and knew him very well as a person, as a teammate in Little League. So I can't really put that in that category because he was a friend of mine from childhood. Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr., rather, uh, a similar loss. Probably wasn't a global icon, but in terms of passion in his sport, in his world, no one will ever come close to the admiration NASCAR fans had for Dale Earnhardt Jr. That's the one that really came to mind for me because those fans still have his number close to their heart. They still wear Earnhardt gear and show it throughout their house. That was their attachment to the sport itself. Roberto Clemente, I think, was a comparison. One of the all-time great baseball players, Pittsburgh Pirates, died in that plane crash. That's something similar. And for you, you lost a teammate. Sean Taylor, and what makes that similar to this is losing someone far too young. Can you reflect on what that was like losing a teammate, Sean Taylor? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was 2007. It was my last year as a player. Can't remember what year that was for Sean. Um, I did not know him well. And in fact, I got hurt in the third preseason game. And so after that, I knew my career was over, Dave. So I wasn't really around the team other than, you know, rehabbing my neck, which is what injured. So I wasn't around the team when Sean was tragically murdered, which uh, not that we're comparing what's better or worse between a helicopter accident or a murder, but uh, that was very, very tough for guys to take. I do remember, though, it had to have been like his third year or fourth year, maybe, because his reputation sort of preceded him. But I distinctly remember, Dave, having a long conversation during training camp with him in the cold tub. And all he really wanted to talk about was his daughter. And I think that's the thing that kind of ties us all together and ties this whole thing together was, you know, I knew all about his track record and uh, the things that he had done off the field and the issues he had had. But man, did he light up when he talked about his daughter and he went on and on. And uh, I remember distinctly discussing that with him and I could really tell he was trying to do the right things and be the right kind of person for his daughter. And then just a couple months later uh, to be, to be murdered like that is just unbelievable. I, I distinctly remember Dave, I had begun my media career, believe it or not, even though I was on IR with the Redskins, I was doing some television, doing some radio, and I was writing for Sports Illustrated at the time. And they asked if I would write about Sean Taylor and write about what I remembered from him and, you know, those couple conversations I had with him. And I remember I actually called London Fletcher and some of the other guys on the team, uh, Chris Cooley, I think, maybe John Jansen said, listen, Sports Illustrated is asking me to do this. I don't want anybody to think I'm like trying to uh, further my career or whatever, or uh, you know, make make anything out of Sean's death. And they said, no, we know you're not doing that. Write the article and talk about you know that he was trying to become a good guy. But I was very conscious uh, and nervous that it could be construed in a in a different way. Yep. And, and there's the link. Um, great athletes taken from us too soon and athletes who really embrace their role as a father. And I think that's what strikes a lot of us about the loss of Kobe. Had he just gone away and disappeared, it would have been one thing. But the fact that he remained in front of us, sitting there, embracing his role as a dad and his love for Gigi and having lost her 13 years old is just devastating. Uh, Appreciate your uh, memories and reflections, Ross. We're going to leave all of you with reflections from across the country, in particular WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia on the Radio.com Red Zone as we say goodbye. We will see you tomorrow. We will begin to turn the page toward the Super Bowl, but we leave you with these thoughts from across the country and a Red Zone, uh, Radio.com Red Zone reflecting on the loss of Kobe. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the WIP Morning Show on a very difficult morning for a lot of people, not just in our city, but all over the world. 
uh, the sudden and shocking passing of Kobe Bryant yesterday in uh, L.A. in a helicopter crash has left the whole country almost speechless. When someone's thriving like this after their one career where they were all-time great, they, you would think uh, you, you, you want them to... Uh, you want them to uh, continue to uh, to live forever and, and continue to do what they what they what they were meant to do, and uh, it's just a sad, sad day. Never think that that Superman will die, you know, and that's what what Kobe Bryant was uh, for a generation. These are the pillars of sports who you look up to, who you think are immortal and invincible. He had this drive to not only win, but he wanted to make sure he destroyed you. It was a lot like Michael Jordan yeah. when he played the game. Uh, he took no prisoners uh, and didn't do it in a way where he tried to show you up, but it was his job to go out there and make sure that his team was an all-star game, USA basketball, NBA with the Lakers. His job was to make sure they won, no matter what it took. Talent's a gift from God, but character's a choice, so a lot of guys with talent but if you really want to be special it's not going to happen by accident and you and i know nobody worked harder than this guy than kobe life is so short you're here today and you're going today so we have to grab on to your dreams you have to grab on and run with the race you have to grab on to your family your loved ones your friends your co-workers you know, you don't have time to be angry or mad. You know, this is my turf. This, this. You don't have time for that. You don't have time for that because you don't know if you want to see your loved ones grow up. You don't know. You just don't know. So just take the time to smell the flowers. If people both get awards and, you know, just give people their flowers while they're here right now. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 